Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the oh. only podcast about political economy and anime. I am Ryan Salisbury. I'm Chris Nivens. Today, uh, we're doing not the next episode in the series that we said we were starting, because we can never do a series all in a row, because it just takes too much effort. We have betrayed your expectations, <laughs> coldly, ruthlessly, without remorse. Uh, so today we're, we're doing an episode on business participation in state surveillance, mm. uh, which is something I actually know uh, quite a lot about, just because... Because um, you're a scab. <laughs> um, like most people that are now like leftists, seem, it seems like it was the 2016 election mm-hmm. or like just before that mm-hmm. that kind of pushed them. Yeah, right over the brink. But for me, it was like it started with a little bit after the Iraq War because I was. Oh yeah. I'm not going to say that I, I was woke immediately from right. like when the Iraq Gold War started because I was leftist. like 12, right, right. or whatever. Uh, I guess I was like 13 or 14. Your balls so dropped was, and so did your illusions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so like soon after the Iraq war started, there was all the counterterrorism shit. Right. I guess it was maybe before that too a little bit. But yeah, most, of it, it most of it was after. For the states, it was definitely 9-11. Yeah, it was after the mission yeah. accomplished yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it was mm-hmm. like once they announced mission accomplished and then the mission was not accomplished, they realized like, we have to do something else. And they mm. started doing this crazy surveillance state shit. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know how young our listeners are, but maybe a lot of them probably don't remember like the terror alert levels that they had like on the radio oh, every man. day. Yeah. Fucking. That shit was wild, man. Like what? All the way from like red up to. It was never below yellow. Yeah, exactly. It was always. There was never something. like, oh, terror alert level blue. We're yeah. fine today. And it got to the point where we're like, <laughs> everybody, you know, kind of like wised up to that they're like oh it's already gonna be it's always gonna be like orange or something you yeah. know just fucking deal with it you know which is basically like that's the attitude you should have about life right and the world around you is that like there's always risks there's always perils yeah just don't be dumb about it i kind of feel the same way about the doomsday clock oh yeah yeah that's oh, another minute next stupid. to doomsday next to midnight you know and you're like yeah. all right i mean who's fucking counting we're these- always gonna have a uh, that one russian guy who decided not to shoot nukes at the u.s yeah exactly can't remember his name but i should probably remember it because he fucking definitely hero. saved the planet yeah yeah <laughs> pretty did a pretty good job of that i mean like the doomsday clock or maybe he made the- it worse actually maybe if he launched nukes and like the u.s and russia nuked each other then yeah. everything would be fine now you know we know. could just we could just all be non-existent in peace yeah 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 but like my yeah, my argument about like the like the like risk colors and doomsday clock and stuff is that like they're very they're, they have varying usefulnesses I guess is varying uses, uh, le- levels of usefulness. What are the, fuck it. Um, so, but they're just as bad as any probabilistic measure, because there's always your black swans, there's always your like unknown factors, and so they're only as useful as like the paper you shit on. Peter will be your best friend for using the term black swan. Oh, it's part, it was like half of my degree. Oh, really? It's like, I was okay. like, I did an entire course on forecasting. Oh, wow. And I was like, so immigrants and like their effect on imports and exports in Germany could be pretty good as long as they're taken care of and you pay them a living wage. Uh, you could even get some trade networks out of it. Um, but unless it they also... carry a virus in, in which case everyone will die. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, unless Nazis use it as right, an excuse that. for yeah, doing whatever, you know, um, one might say that Nazism is a virus. Yeah, but anyway, like, yeah, basically, I was a communist by the time I was like seventeen or eighteen. I don't yes. remember exactly when it was. My friend in high school bought the Communist Manifesto as a joke, and I was like, I always right wanted now. to know about communism. <laughs> this was before Wikipedia was like right. really good. Right. 
I was still using it to teach myself everything that I was not paying attention to in school. Right, right. But um, <laughs> but uh, I was like, oh, I'd like to borrow that. And I read it. I'm like, yes, communism is this awesome. This is the one. I like this. This is the one, yeah. <laughs> um, and for a while, there was like this weird turn um, around the time that Occupy happened. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, leftist, an- ideology wasn't, leftist ideology wasn't very prominent. It would no. be. It would have been pretty hard. Well, it's like they always say to like, know how to get like a good education in like leftist ideology. So yeah. what I ended up falling into is this thing called crypto anarchism, which was basically like libertarians that love cryptography, interesting, and dark nets and stuff. So it's basically oh, like it's basically like of, libertarians now minus Bitcoin, but. Right. But they were a little the more idea. a little more woke than yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. but not really. I remember there was a lot of that swimming around. Actually, yeah, I remember that. Um, they they, they were all talking loved, about like, like let's set up our own fiber optics and let's like do this and that. Yeah, yeah like our own distributed network. Yeah, they all loved the Constitution. Right. Um, they all loved, like, what, you know, yeah, not like, crony capitalism, right, but right. real like, capital, like, genuine capitalism. Like, because we've never had real red, capitalism. white, and blue minarchism. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I was in that for a while. Like I was if, on like if Bookchin jacked off an eagle, you know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Like, I think it's more like if if Sterner jacked off an if eagle. If Sterner, yeah, <laughs> um, fell out of a capsule, and we saw his real face finally. Yeah. yeah. So I was on ITP for a while, which is like this dark net mm-hmm. that's like Tor, mm-hmm. but Tor times a thousand. Okay. Um, but it's okay. still mostly for uh, pedophiles. Well, I was just gonna say it's yeah. obviously for child. It's porn, mostly yeah. pedophiles, and then like a yeah. bunch of nerds that are like, uh-huh. "We're gonna do a revolution right. and create and real capitalism." <laughs> so anyway, so I knew a lot. I knew a lot about surveillance because I, yeah. I was paying really <clears throat> close attention to surveillance, learning how to avoid surveillance and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So I know mm-hmm. a lot about like, um, like infosec, how to privacy. write backwards in lemon juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the the topic of this episode is, um, you know, how business is involved in the state surveillance program because right. there's plenty of stuff that you can listen to about how the state is involved in state right. surveillance. That's and the easy one. Prism right. and all that stuff. But it's your George Orwell, um, yeah, you know, Edward Snowden, WikiLeaks, etc. Yep. All that stuff. I haven't even read the actual intro that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's take it off. All right. Take it away. So we've been getting into more uh, how the state is, is far more of an integrated organization of business and government uh, than both common knowledge and orthodox political or economic theory led on. Mm-hmm. So I've talked a bit about how government spending inevitably goes to private organizations, such as through the government contracting system. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what... I don't remember the episode, so it was like uh, something about... Um, the state or uh, businesses being like baby bureaucracies. I'll just put it in the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. whole, I remember that one vaguely. Uh, yeah. The concept is, is rather intuitive once you get onto it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Rather um, intuitive. Pretty good one. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a good one. So usually we think of things like creating the Obamacare exchange website or building weapons in terms of like government contracting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a more insidious form of collaboration between business and government, which is when uh, business participates in the surveillance of state subjects. Yep. Um, so I'm just going to start by introducing a couple of important organizations that I'm going to mention a couple times. Actually, probably not even, but whatever. This is how I wrote it. Just whatever. So the first one is NQTEL, which is the uh, investment arm of the CIA, um, which despite being its express purpose, remains legally distinct from the CIA. So it was created by the CIA mm-hmm. 
it's like mission statement is we are the investment arm of the CIA, but it's not part of the CIA. <laughs> oh, and it receives all of its funding from uh-huh, the CIA. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. it's connected in every way except for somehow legally. Yeah. They're not like if they did something wrong, then the CIA wouldn't be liable. No liability. Or whatever. Yeah. It's a bunch that, of bullshit. <laughs> that's strangely capitalistic. Yeah. And uh, and despite being a not like classified as a nonprofit organization, its staff are able to like the staff uh-huh. are able to profit from the investments that it makes, which are funded through federal appropriations via the CIA. Mm-hmm. And the weirdest thing about that is they have this thing that's supposed to create like accountability for the people that are in charge of deciding what investments to take, which is they they like put a portion of their uh, of their salary into an investment fund, like twenty percent of their salary goes into an investment fund, and so like, so the idea is, if they invest in something, it's like, oh, well, part of that is my money, and so if I fuck up, then, you know, I'm losing money, right? Instead right. of like, it's an incentive structure theoretically. Yeah, but in reality, it's like it's we're the C- like we're a CIA organization. <laughs> Whatever we invest in is going to be. Yeah. fine yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> never gonna actually lose money <laughs> on a significant <laughs> right, level right so um yeah that's cool yeah. and the other one is just the nsa which most people probably know but just to give a brief thing on it uh it's the other intelligence agency formed from a code breaking unit in world war two i don't know why i put one uh code breaking unit in world war two and inaugurated by the worst modern u.s president harry truman mm-hmm. uh, with the explicit uh, purpose of carrying out surveillance so like i think the cia is supposed to be like basically pays attention to global geopolitics and has like influence in it but the nsa is just for surveillance <clears throat> yeah um yeah. creepy as fuck yeah um so one of the things with be, because there is a, li- a bit of a separation between business and government not as much as we normally think of but there is like somewhat of a conflictual relationship because right they don't have to just obey whatever the government says necessarily. Right. They can resist. I mean, I think the same thing happens between different government departments. I was There's actually like just going to say jurisdictional that. Yeah. conflicts yeah. and stuff like that. You hear about these spats and, and yeah, whatnot, exactly. You know, the and CIA and the FBI probably don't get along that well right. and shit like that. But I mean, um, if you if you kind of carry the logic of, of businesses being like independent bureaus of the government, you know, and or fetal states themselves, you know, depending on the kind of like the level of formation and and uh, development they've gone through. Um, then that exactly mirrors the kind of bureaucratic disputes that you see in government. Yeah. Right. That's and the true. competitions between feudal lords, for that matter. Where it's right. like, well, technically, I'm your cousin's, you know, in-law, whatever the fuck. Right. And I, I'm a subordinate to you, but I also hold this fiefdom that's really powerful, you know, yeah. so I'm going to just fuck with your thing, you know? Yeah, I guess the, uh, the only, like, the main difference is, like, the government can use the court system and the legislative system. Right. Whereas business, they're more about using... The money, the monetary system. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they can do a lot more illegal shit. Right. (laughs) And get away with it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Just by paying a fine or just not getting caught or whatever. Exactly. Um, So sometimes businesses volunteer to participate in surveillance. Sometimes they're asked and agree without uh, needing to be coerced. Um, Sometimes they are coerced. And then sometimes they're not even aware that they're involved. So I'm going to go over some different examples of each one. Mm Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, so a good example of voluntary involvement in surveillance uh, would be a company that we've actually covered on here already, which is uh, Palantir. 
So Palantir is a company founded by uh, Turbo Nerd and litigious bloodsucker Peter Thiel. Oh, that guy creeps me out. Literal bloodsucker. Yeah, oh, yeah. So the company's very name embodies how expressly it was created for the purposes of surveillance. So uh, Palantir is named after a thing in Lord of the Rings. So the Palantir and Lord of the Rings There's also a shameful use of great literature. Yeah, and also mixing genres. Also mixing genres. Because he, he names the company after Lord of the Rings, and then the divisions or the major projects after Superman and Batman. Yeah. So he's a fucking moron. So the most ambitious crossover event, event in history. <laughs> <laughs> a very uncomfortable crossover <laughs> way, event. Way yeah. more ambitious than Power Rangers yeah. and Ninja Turtles. Yeah, he's also... Uh, <laughs> Either either doing the whole like, you know, creepy and cap thing of like, oh, I like being evil. Yeah. You know, oh, Darth Vader's a hero, or else he's like completely fucking unaware of the implications of the Palantir technology in the world that Tolkien created, which is that it's extremely risky and prone to corruption. Yeah. And fundamentally not evil, but used only by evil powers. Right. Man, um so when Peter and I were doing we were, we were planning a bunch of billionaire episodes. We we did the Peter Thiel one, and I don't know why I didn't do this. I was planning to act like Gollum for the Bill Gates episode. <laughs> so I did Bill Gates as Gollum. So I did this whole thing like, uh, we, we want sick government contracts. <laughs> Give it to Bill Gates. But I should have done yes. Peter Thiel as, Goth, uh, as I mean, Gollum. because it's Gotham. We're going to rename Gollum Gotham. Because he's apparently fond of that kind of shit. So anyway, the, the Palantir in Lord of the Rings lore is essentially a crystal ball that can be used to see any part of the world, uh, which is thwarted only by darkness, uh, most famously used by the evil wizard Saruman. Right. So Thiel started this company to build a crystal ball for the real-life evil wizards doing uh, post-9-11 counterterrorism and mm-hmm. running uh, corporate HR departments. Yeah. The two types of evil wizards. Um. <laughs> yeah so that that would be a good example of like a voluntary surveillance right. thing and super um, weirdly voluntary like he just jumped right into it yeah he was just yeah. like i want to create a company that yeah. does surveillance right and then it comes out that he's like guzzling blood you know yeah and so. it's weird i remember he i remember learning about it when i was in when i was on i2p because people were talking about mm-hmm. palantir and how fucked up it was right because there was a, there was a bunch that's of, ironic that was a, that was like the um What's the what's the current like boom that's happening for business or like what's the most recent like tech boom that you can think of Fuck, like ride, uh, ride share apps maybe yeah like ride share it was like the ride share app at the time because um, there was so many of these like especially in like computer security yeah there's so much grift yeah because yep. so few people understand it it's so opaque it's based on like this really archaic weird or not archaic arcane mm-hmm. math that mm-hmm. no one understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost impossible to prove anything that's secure. <laughs> right, exactly. You can only really disprove it. So like Exactly. It was a huge yeah. grift at the time. Cybersecurity is like is like theology. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and it was especially relevant to me because in Northern Virginia, yeah. that's where most of those companies were based. Right, right. Um so yeah, I remember hearing about Palantir at the time, but I had no idea it was Peter Thiel, the PayPal guy yeah. that, that did it. Yeah. Um until like recently. Um so yeah, so that's that's a, an example of a volunteer. Um, another related thing. Um, oh, it's not related. Sorry, it's just another volunteer one. Is uh, uh, Amazon has a service <laughs> called 
uh, AWS, like their their cloud service, AWS Secret Region, which sounds weird. It sounds like an anime attack yeah, to me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Secret Region. AWS Secret Region. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so the CIA uh, contracted the cloud service starting mid 2012. Sorry. Oh, I. That's a terrible note. Um, so the CIA basically asked for a secure cloud service to like uh, to store like secret documents with secret classification right. in in 2012. Right, and, um, then, and then sell them at, as Kindle eBooks for 99 cents a pop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so they they went through the bidding process, and Amazon bid on it in 2013. Uh-huh. Um, the contract was worth uh, 600 million dollars over 10 year up to 10 years. Damn. So oh, damn. Up until 2023, Amazon is going to be supporting this giant yeah. cloud for CIA documents, which is really cool. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I didn't really write anything else on that. Uh, we have, I mean, we already have a good coverage of Palantir, I think, on yeah. the Peter Thiel episode. So if you want to know more about Palantir, <laughs> check that one out. Yeah. Um, if you go on the Podbean site, just click the billionaires tag. Or I think, I think for the billionaires episodes, I put like individual tags for each billionaire. And then for the Mark Zuckerberg one, I put like eight of them that were all making fun of his name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So go, go look at that. It's pretty fun. Um, So the, the next group is, is quite a bit bigger. Uh, Companies that are, are asked by the state to carry out surveillance and then agree Mm -hmm. to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first example here is one that many people might know. Um, they made a product, uh, a product that every single person listening has used, which is Google Earth. Um, God so the, damn it! <laughs> yeah, so the company that originally made this was called Keyhole. Mm-hmm. The ascension of Keyhole was a little strange. Uh, it was founded as a small company that was spun off of a of a video game company called Intrinsic Graphics. So they they basically like mm-hmm. made this globe visualization. I think it's just like a demo of their game engine or something. Uh-huh. And then they're like, and then they're like, ah. oh, we could we could expand this. Yeah. So they spun off this other business that was like. They were trying to sell the visualization to like real estate developers uh-huh, uh-huh. or like uh, realtors. I'm not. I'm not sure which one it was. Yeah. Um, civil planning, defense, and intelligence organizations, so that like they could use it as like a, a computerized mapping software. But yeah, that was a globe, so it was spherical, which makes yeah. it cooler. So I'm gonna like just interrupt you here because like this brings up like a, a bitter moment from my uh, adolescence, in which I before before this Google Earth shit or this keyhole shit ever came to light uh, in at least in my social circles. Um, you know, I was just this geeky little kid with very few friends, if at all. And uh, I have no idea what that's like. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You missed out on a lot. Yeah. Um, I was like, I was like, wouldn't it be cool? You know, computer graphics these days, they sure coming along. You know, we've seen like phantom menace or whatever. That's, that was all right. Yeah. yeah. I love the CGI in the movie. Yeah, it was right. really good. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, what if we got, cause I, you know, I've always been this huge nerd interested in like, um, geography, world history and, and like how things connect. And, um, that's, I guess that is why I'm on this fucking podcast one way or another. Um, besides being your lackey, um, <laughs> but, but I was like, what if we had a visualization of like the globe, you know, just like this, this whole concept, but, um, you know, the, program, but the problem is the earth is flat. 
Well, that's the first so, obstacle. Yeah, right. you have to somehow make a mathematical model for how the Earth might be round, <laughs> and then you'd have to simulate that, um, and then you'd have to figure out how like the edges stitch together. Like yeah, you football. probably have to get in like Metroid theory and stuff for that. Yeah, so. you know, and I, I can't do math. too advanced for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, my idea was like, what if you know, what if there was like layers built into it, you know, that you could add you know, uh, different kinds of data, you know, different categories of data. Like, oh, this is the layer where it's like roads and canals and shit. And this is the layer where it's like archaeological digs and other sites. And this is the layer where it's climate and stuff like, and I told, I pitched it to like one of my dad's friends who like had worked in software before. I was like, wouldn't that be really interesting? And he's like, yeah, but who the fuck would use it? (laughs) (laughs) And now here we are. (laughs) Thanks dad. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh so yeah back to the ascension of keyhole uh so so the the managers of the company uh Mm -hmm. decided that it would sell the software to cnn and give it a discount on using the software in exchange for just including its logo on air oh man so they thought this was going to get them like 30 seconds of yeah of airtime total yeah but cnn ended up loving it and uh one person in particular who was a name i didn't write down because mm-hmm. who gives a shit uh used it extensively in uh the coverage of the iraq war mm. uh, which gave it a high profile that exploded its popularity <laughs> so because of this uh it got a large investment from inqtel oh the, those guys yeah those oh, guys interesting um and and then soon after that, I was acquired by Google and integrated into Google Earth slash Maps. How did Google get it from InQtel? <laughs> there there is a conspiracy theory that, and I I tried looking into this for maybe like ten seconds while I was researching uh-huh. this episode, but uh, there is a conspiracy theory that uh, Google's startup capital came from InQtel, and so Google is essentially an arm of the CIA. Yeah, because. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, it is like one of the most valuable surveillance assets in yeah. the world. Yeah, and they're and they're all like banging each other. Yeah, they know they know everything you want to know. Uh, they have all your your communications infrastructure essentially. I mean, yeah. except for like, I guess not chat, but they have email. You know. Yeah. They have uh, voice over IP. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and then they know, have they I have mean, everywhere you go. They know everywhere you go. Every and then, step you take. Every movie you make. Right. <laughs> I'll be watching you. Yeah. yeah. So the next example that I'll go over, uh, which is uh, lesser known, but it was the inspiration for this episode, uh, was one that I found out through the Michael Brooks show's excellent episode on Lula da Silva, the uh, former president of Brazil, hopefully future president of Brazil, uh, if, if we're lucky. Um, and so it, in the 1980s, uh, Volkswagen Auto Group and other auto manufacturers. It was actually Volkswagen Do Brazil, but they're not really that separate from one another. Right. So. It's one of these transnational yeah. things. It, it's, like, Volkswagen. it's all the same fucking thing. It's totally Volkswagen. Right. Extremely um, coordinated. Yeah, so they, they passed information about labor movement activities to the Brazilian government, which um, hmm. most people probably don't know anything about the Brazilian government. I definitely didn't until I listened to the so Michael Burke show. Portuguese. It's a particular kind of Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brazil was a colony of Portugal a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, that's all I know. They're like, uh, sempre do agora. That's how they, that's how they talk. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> um, but, but basically, uh, from I think it was from the 70s 
to the uh, to 1992. I know it ended in 1992. Uh, Brazil was uh, ruled by a military dictatorship. Oh yeah, that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot different from Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. Very different. Sure. Um, so in in the 1980s when this was happening, this was during the military dictatorship, mm-hmm. uh, which um, I don't remember quite what the government was like as soon as it ended, but basically uh, Lula da Silva took over office in 2004, 2008. Um, I can't remember, but he took over in the, in the 2000s. So he, the he's a Silva, which he's a far that? left candidate. Um, he was a, a labor organizer uh, during this whole situation. He actually, I don't think he worked for Volkswagen, um, but he was in, he was heavily involved in the labor movement at mm-hmm. the time. Oh, t- 2003 to 2011. Okay, cool. That was him. That was, that was close. Yeah, that yeah, was my pretty close. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it had to be that if yeah. it wasn't the other thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Volkswagen was passing information about the labor movement um, to the Brazilian mil- military dictatorship. And not only did they pass along what they already knew just from, like, overhearing stuff mm-hmm. or whatever, they were, like, very actively involved. They went out of their way to spy on the employees. So this is almost, like, blurring the line between, like, volunteer and, and being asked. Because yeah. they, they went so beyond... right. Uh, with gusto with gusto yeah, yeah. With, that's a good one yeah it's um it's, it's above like they and really beyond. wanted that's to relive their glory days yeah they, they, they went above and beyond on the surveillance yeah um so they actually like sent volkswagen people to like spy on people like mm-hmm. they sent them into meetings that were happening outside of the workplace Jesus. um and they I mean, wrote like so typical though of like when workers try to organize or even educate themselves, you know, yeah. Then suddenly a bunch of fucking creepy, like uh, whether it's thugs or like admin or whoever the fuck just start to like lurk or like mm. try to enter the group, you know, Hey man. Oh, I see you're all eating bologna sandwiches together. You know? <laughs> yeah, dude, fuck off. Like we hate you. That's why we're here. Um, so while while other companies were participating, uh, Volkswagen was like doing stuff like giving extensive coverage and minutes of mm-hmm. union meetings, mm-hmm. uh, which was really cool. So uh, according to a Reuters article that reported on the story, um, I'm just going to quote the article. For example, Volkswagen reported on the showing of a film about the Russian Revolution at a union headquarters. So they went to their headquarters. They sent mm-hmm. like infiltrators in. Um, in a memo, VW described how workers blocked the doors to the projection room and deactivated the building's elevator nice. to avoid a possible seizure of the film by the censorship department of the federal police. <laughs> well, this guy's just sound paranoid to me. Yeah, I mean, right. Why would they go so far for yeah. OPSEC? Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so the memo noted that, uh, quote, warm wine, popcorn, and chocolate... Uh, were available at the screening, and it recorded the name of the worker who sold them. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they mean warm wine, like room temperature, or like they warmed right. it up. Right, like mold. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, that'd be <laughs> fucking dope. Damn, especially in the winter. Dude. Actually, that you know what? That sounds like Christmas food That's, to me. That sounds like... Yeah. yeah. Mold wine, popcorn, and chocolate. Yeah, yeah. that sounds awesome. Yeah. God, I'm so hungry. 
really. <laughs> well, I mean, they were watching a film about the Russian Revolution, which is basically Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Volkswagen also extensively documented a union rally of... Okay. On, I'm going to say on June 19th, 1983, that featured Lula da Silva. Uh, he was not a company mm. employee, but was a rising star in the regional labor movement at the time. Mm. Um, oh, and by the way, I think he didn't really get very involved in this shit until he was like in his like late 30s, early mm. 40s. Mm. So he's a good example of someone where it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still oh, yeah. be like an important person. Yeah, you can always and, jump like, in. do you know? good shit or whatever. Yeah, you can be like the heroic old person who like does the fu- fucking you know the last deed of their life right you know for the cause yeah and so based on that i'm not doing much right now yeah which is fine i want to save my energy yeah right? i'll just do it when i'm like 35 exactly <laughs> all my bde is actually stockpiled and gathering interest right now yeah yeah so i can really go out with a bang yeah so they were like tracking that shit there was warm wine popcorn and chocolate which we were kind of ooing and yeah, on yeah. over yeah and this Lula guy. I got it. Okay, so Volkswagen quoted Lula as criticizing the, quote, lack of shame of the government mm. and encouraging workers to stop paying into a government housing fund as a gesture of protest. Not bad. Not bad. It'll be Yeah, yes. Lula's awesome, dude. Yeah. Look up a video of him because he has the most, like, distinctive voice of any politician oh, you'll ever yeah. hear. Way, way more than Bernie because Bernie you can do an impersonation right. of. If you try to do an impersonation of Lula, sound like an idiot. your throat would, you would just start <laughs> coughing blood up. <laughs> like that. That's what he sounds just like. heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he'd That's be a awesome. great hardcore singer. That's awesome. Um, so the final line that I quoted here was, um, the company, Volkswagen, uh-huh. Recorded a uh, the license plate number of a bus that carried workers to Brazil after the rally. Brasilia? Yeah, I don't know why it says Brasilia. Um, and the name of the company that operated it. So they were like tracking where, like they were tracking their movements. Not only like what they were saying and doing and thinking and serving to the Jesus. people that come to their meetings and who was serving it. Yeah. But also like where they were going. I guess the last part sounds a little bit worse than where they were going, but still. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who was serving them popcorn. (laughs) Right, right. Um, What what a petty-ass thing to track. Jesus Christ, dude. That's the thing about surveillance. It's just petty as fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to, like, they they just got to get everything, I guess. Yeah. Um, Just in case. Yeah. So the final thing I have on this is um, some workers involved in the Brazilian labor movement uh, would later be arrested and tortured by the junta. So, like. That's Fuck. what, that's what Volkswagen did. They yeah. like got people arrested and tortured. Yeah. Those cute little bugs led to political torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I said that that this happened in the eighties, but it, um, the later part of this article that I read kind of contradicts it, and I didn't think of it as I was writing the notes. But um, when like while this was all happening at Volkswagen mm-hmm. do Brasil. Uh, there's evidence that the German parent company knew of the situation as early as 1979. Hmm. Um, hmm. So I guess it started. So it started maybe in the in 70s. the 70s. Yeah. And then we moved through the 80s. Yeah. Shit. Um, okay. So the next one, we have multiple examples from this. Um, AT and T, which we have also covered before, right. the AT and T Time Warner merger. Right. Uh, so the first thing for AT&T, probably the most famous one, well, maybe not anymore, but uh, definitely the most famous one prior to 2010, 
uh, was room 641A. Uh, this was a, a room installed in 2003 and exposed by a, a unfortunately not famous whistleblower in 2006. <laughs> um, it's weird how whistleblowers started becoming celebrities yeah. around the 2010s. Yeah. Did it start with Snowden? I can't remember. Manning. Manning. Yeah. Right, right, right. Manning yeah. and then Snowden. Yeah. And I, I guess... Julian Assange, he wasn't really a whistleblower, but he was famous for right being a kind of being a, a whistleblower a facilitator. Yeah, facilitator. Yeah. Well, I think it was partly like I mean, it, this all has to do with the kind of the second wave of of dissent when things really started to crystallize, which is um, Obama and the global financial crisis hit at the same time. Yeah, which is when the fucking GOP went completely batshit. It was already bad. But it went like straight through the fucking roof because um, they couldn't handle both of those things happening. I mean, really, like one of those things happening, let alone both. And then, and then at the same time, of course, like the left started to crystallize, you know, and you saw Occupy and you saw other yeah. things, right? And so people like you were already kind of on it. I was starting to get on it. Um, and then, um, I mean, I actually went to one of the earliest tea party rallies in my area because really? because it was a dissenting movement yeah and i, I went with a couple of my friends but it to turned out to be all out. astroturf well it became astroturf at that stage oh yeah okay. it I, really thought, I thought it started as astroturf it, well as far as i'm aware and, and again it's like murky shit uh-huh. but it, at that stage it seemed to be um grassroots and then it became co-opted by astroturf okay kind of like what um, actually, so like Champagne Sharks was talking about, like the DeGray McKesson people taking yeah. over the Ferguson protest. Right. So it was kind of like that, where it's like real people with real fucking concerns yeah. were trying to voice their concerns. And you had some crazies, like we saw some weirdos talking, but it was like, it was literally like a round table of anybody in the audience or the, or the rally who wanted to talk about what's going on and what's going wrong and what's been going wrong could yeah. talk. And there was like this Vietnam vet or two who were like, you know, I had, I was forced to go to war. And it fucked my life up, and like I want, I want fucking re- you know retribution and reparation for that, you uh-huh. know. And some other people who are like, I'm a you know I'm a native Native American. The government has to be brought to heel and uh, held accountable. And then blah, blah blah. And then like a year later, it was fucking Koch brothers. I can just imagine yeah. him being like, I'm a Native American. I want reparations. And it was like, boo. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, yeah. But then it was like it was so like weird and eclectic, and like a lot of people were like kind of like small town reactionary types like uh. super christian or like just kind of paranoid like conspiracy theory type of people you know right but then yeah like pretty much within a year it was like more or less like an open secret that it was like a Koch brothers domain you know okay and so it was interesting um so that that, that's actually tangent. what i thought the whole time right because when i said that it was that people yeah i was just i was testing you oh you were testing to me, make sure yeah. that you knew because i was testing you yeah yeah See, that's yeah. why we get along. Right. You know, right. We're, we're constantly we trying to other. trick each other yeah. into saying yeah. something stupid and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're talking about AT&T. I'm sorry. I, t- I derailed this whole fucking thing. Oh, that's fine. Um, um, whistleblowers, right? We're, we're good at derailment. Um, so room 641A. Um, yeah, exposed in 2006. It was also known as the NSA spy room because that is exactly what it was. <laughs> AT&T helped the NSA install taps on its fiber optic lines so that it could monitor all the communications traffic going through AT&T networks. So they were just collecting mm. everything indiscriminately. Sounds super legit. Yeah. Um, and once it was discovered, there was a big backlash. Right. Um, I, As you might expect. Yeah, I think they basically just got rid of it at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously that did not stop the NSA from spying on people. They just, well, right. Yeah, they, they basically did what every, you know, 
corporation and government body does when mm-hmm. something bad happens. They mm-hmm. just rebrand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rebrand, regroup. Yeah. Redeploy. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they rebranded as the uh, Hemisphere Project. So not satisfied with just one unethical mass surveillance project. <laughs> uh, AT&T uh, managed to get caught just uh, seven years later doing the same thing for the DEA. Ah. Um, and this was going this was going on like for a while. Um, so this time they gave the DEA metadata about phone calls uh, dating back to 1987. Um, and and this one stands out in particular to me because it totally bypasses the supposed checks and balances that dopey liberals love so much. I don't know if they still love that shit. I think they're, I think they're so focused the point, on hating Trump. Yeah, I was just going to say, they've gotten to the point where they they want their own special form of like... Like a, like a summary. Their favorite shit like, is the emoluments clause now. Yeah, yeah. That's their favorite constitutional thing. Yeah, they want to get them on finances because they're obsessed with that shit. Yeah, it, yeah. It used to be. Yeah, so liberals prior to Trump yeah. loved checks and balances. I feel like at this point, neither party gives a fuck about like that shit, even though they always yeah. talked about it. You know. Yeah, it, and that might have even been like. <clears throat> Prior to like Obama's second term, the yeah. checks and balances thing, because I haven't heard yeah. anyone mention that in a long time. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, you know, everyone knows the idea of that, unless they're not American, I guess. So if you're not American, the idea of the U.S. government is supposed to be like we have these three branches that form checks and balances against each other. Obviously, it's bullshit because the courts, <laughs> the court yeah. system, which is supposed to be one of them, is a deeply reactionary system Basically of rigged. Yeah. rich white men yep. who can basically do whatever them. they want like any yeah. any law congress passes they can yep. they can railroad some court case that's tangentially related to it and then just like make whatever decision they want and then yep. like every subsequent court decision that's made after that will follow that decision uh unless it goes to a higher court it's like if you ever played that horrible game known as monopoly like it then that was then, invented by communists yeah 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 anarchists and communists yeah. um and the original there was a whole thing on Twitter about it, but basically, um, yeah, the original idea was that you would play it once and realize that it's like a horrible, horrible, horrible way to play. And then there was a way to fix it, which I can't remember how you fix it, but the don't play place. against your dad when you're a, <laughs> right. a child. Right. Right. <laughs> That's think, the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't play against the patriarch basically. Right. Um, but like then there was this other weird like condition that you could add, um, to fix the gameplay. And then, you know, then it was like everybody would win. It was modern monetary theory. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like, and then <laughs> instead so of having forth. a banker, you have a federal <laughs> job guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Monopoly. Um, Monopoly. Monopoly. Over this shit. Um, so yeah, so the this hemisphere project uh-huh. um, operated in response to subpoenas rather than search warrants. So usually when the government wants to do surveillance on you, they get a search warrant, obviously until around 2003, 2004, when President Bush decided, we don't need that. Yeah. Um, Or I guess President Cheney decided, we don't need that. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so to contrast, uh, this program operates uh, in response to subpoenas, which are usually... uh, you know, if you don't know, it's like a court summons, basically. Right. I think there's another type that's like not exactly that, but that's the most common one. Yeah. Um, so if that doesn't sound bad enough to you, 
If that doesn't sound bad enough to you, I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't sound bad enough to if, you. If that, if that doesn't sound bad enough to you, uh, consider that the DEA has the power to issue so-called administrative subpoenas that don't involve the court system at all. So, what? in other words, the records were just com- provided completely at the whim of the agency that could just unilaterally right. issue subpoenas. Yeah. So basically, as as with many things, kind of like executive orders, uh, it sounds like this is the sort of like uh, arbitrary uh, uh, decree yeah. that like an agency or an office or a bureau can basically use. It's like at, some lowly viscount giving writs. Yeah, at their description uh, or at their discretion. Uh, but the only thing that's basically holding them back is like a fear of popular reprisal or a reprisal yeah. by another bureau or whatever. Yeah. Is that they're like, well, like, we, who, we who throw the them around too freely. To the DEA? Yeah. Right. So you they're know? just probably just like printing this shit like money. You yeah. Know? Okay. So the, the last and most famous uh, surveillance program from AT&T, well, partially from AT&T. Actually, it's not. This is just totally separate. <laughs> I'm doing really good on these notes. Um, um all right, I'm just going to talk about it then. Just go after it, man. So probably the most famous surveillance program uh, to date, I guess, is uh, PRISM, which was brought to public attention Prism. by uh, libertarian shithead slash hero Edward Snowden. So I, I, Snowden. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do think he's a hero, but he's also a libertarian shithead. Yeah, you, can, you can be both. Yeah. It's, it's a little Look rare. Look up his Reddit AMA if you're ever interested yeah. in what political ideology he has. It's not very good. Yeah. I, remember, I remember, oh, fuck, I, I can't remember who it was but it was some people on reddit or something uh or, or, or whatever the fuck back when like snowden first came to light and all this bullshit they were <laughs> all these fucking like proto incels were like oh my god like this guy is so fucking cool and such a patriot he like leaked all this information and fled even though he knew he was leaving behind his hot hawaiian girlfriend and you're like <laughs> Wait, that's that's what you go with, you fucking asshole. <laughs> and then, like two years later, Tinder was invented. Right, right, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and then these people really got fucking cooked. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So, so Prism, uh, Prism uh, yeah. was a massive surveillance program composed. Oh, sorry, is because it still exists. Right. It's right. Didn't end. Uh, is a massive surveillance program composed of many systems and utilizing many different data sources, mm-hmm. including, uh, according to this actually really shittily drawn diagram that I looked at, but it was on Wikipedia, so mm-hmm. it's probably kind of legit, mm-hmm. um, including Google, Yahoo, YouTube, Facebook, AOL, Skype, and uh, Hotmail. Mm-hmm. So PRISM, I had that stands for... because they just yeah. deserve it. Well, yeah. So PRISM stands for uh, pedophilia, racism, ignorance, sexism, and what? Misogyny. Misogyny. Right, of course. Yeah. I, I always blank on the last one. <laughs> um, yeah, I always thought it was uh, uh, penis retracting infrastructure for uh, serving minors. For serving minors. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was for sex masterminds. But <laughs> um, one of those. Uh, I don't know. It could be a you number know. of things. Yeah, the government yeah. never declared an official version of the acronym. So oh, Okay. Yeah. Or like, at least, you know, they didn't release it in their FOIA request. Right, so, right. Uh, it's pretty much, I think I think what happens in that case, 
according to the constitution anyway um it's up to the public to decide what the acronym stands for oh. and we're members of the public that's democracy yeah. for you and we're pretty much the only ones that are commenting on prism so i right. I, I think we have free reign to just decide whatever it is i think we've come up with a couple good ideas right so far yeah and between the two of us we could vote but we could never reach a majority so that's true it's unanimous or bust um well, let's go with your first one. I, I think yeah, that was the best think, one. Yeah. yeah, I think it really encapsulates the uh, the spirit of the mission. Yeah, yeah, and especially of the NSA. Yes. Oh, yeah. in particular. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so it began in in 2007, late in the Bush administration. Okay, um, and was exposed by Edward Snowden in 2013. So it was going on for five years before it was even discovered. Um, and uh, there's no indication. That it was stopped or even slowed uh, by exposure. Uh, so because it was so public, uh, we have numerous statements from congressmen that are still relevant. Uh, for for example, uh, I'm just going to pause this because I also have to pee. Unpause. Okay. All right. I'm back. Hello. Yeah, we're back. We decided to take a break because we both had to pee really bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so back to PRISM and the reaction to it. So again... Uh, I don't know why I have to say again because I paused. It's anyway. Uh, so because it was made public, we have numerous statements from congressmen that are still relevant. For example, uh, fortunately dead old mass murdering piece of shit scumbag John McCain said, uh, <laughs> we passed the Patriot <clears throat> Act. We passed specific provisions of the act that allowed for this program to take place to be enacted in operation. So he had no fucking problem with it whatsoever. Oh yeah. Because he's which is great, racist. Um, yeah, but he's civil, so it's cool. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, so he, we have to he, honor his memory. He shakes people's hands when he greets them, so he gets a lot of uh, leeway. Right, right. Yeah, and he sort of, kind of stood up to Trump that one time. So right, he's basically in the resistance. Yeah, but his he lost sleeves are too long for his arms, even in death. Yeah, and they'll never be, you know, they'll never shorten because he can't lift his arms up too much. So. Right. And also, he's dead. So he's dead. Yeah, he'll never fly Which again. Is pretty cool, if you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's probably my favorite thing that he did was was be dead. I mean, him and William Henry Harrison. Yeah, you know? the the two best politicians that I can think of because <laughs> they, uh, they're dead. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, another one, uh, sadly still alive, bloated corpse, Jim Sensenbrenner, architect of the Patriot Act. Oh uh, God! So the one that John McCain loves so much. Fuck. Um, that was an actually that was the first thing that I remember hearing about. I remember sitting in my basement. Um like the basement was like my area when I was living with my parents. I didn't live in the basement. I had I had like a bedroom. You don't I have to out, make excuses. But I hung out in the basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh I would just go down there to like watch TV and stuff and I remember watching yeah, That's always I, how it I is. started getting into yeah. politics. Mhm. Um, and I remember watching the news and they were talking about the Patriot Act and I was just like, this oh, is such what? bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. what the fuck is this? They're like yeah. getting rid of all our rights and stuff so yep. that they can spy on yeah. supposed terrorists that yeah. like, how do we know there's more terrorists? There was just, there was only one nine eleven. Yeah. So how yeah. do we know there's gonna be a bunch of other ones? What the fuck? Right. <clears throat> um, so yeah, this, this piece of shit, uh, was the architect of the Patriot Act still alive, still, I think he's still sitting congressman maybe i i don't know um, i mean i could look it up but i'm not going to um just assume that whatever is the correct answer is the thing that i said yeah um so his his reaction was 
President Obama's claim that this is, quote, the most transparent administration in history has once again proven false. In fact, it appears no administration has ever appeared more closely or intimately into the lives of innocent Americans. Damn, Sensenbrenner. Yeah. You really... Uh... What a fucking <laughs> cynical thing to say. Yeah. What a, what a fucking piece of shit <laughs> what a, that guy is. Oh, my God. God. Um, and then finally, this is not all the reactions, but this is the, the ones that I thought were interesting. Uh, reanimated mummy uh, Diane Feinstein. So Diane Feinstein <laughs> said, uh, these programs are within the law. Part of our obligation is keeping Americans safe. Human intelligence isn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah, because these uh, surveillance programs are designed by demigods and not humans. Mm. But I know that the terminology is, you know, yeah. is a jargon thing, but still. Like, no no better way to keep within off. law and keep Americans safe than a uh, huge unaccountable bureaucracy spying right, on everyone right. indiscriminately. Yeah. Just collecting oh all da- all of the data in the world. Yeah. Um, so the major companies named at the the time that Prism was exposed tried to do damage control by saying they they don't provide government with direct access to their servers. And <laughs> what they, does that even mean? And they and they comply with the law. So that right. means that the law. That means they didn't have a room six forty one a. That's all right. they're saying. Yeah. Um, so they just wait till the government asks them to do something. They're like, oh, yeah, well, since you asked, sure, we'll provide all the data you want. Um, right. And then they comply with the law, which this was after the Patriot Act. So right. the law was, it doesn't it fucking matter there. what yeah. you give the <laughs> government. They can ask for whatever they want and get, like, demand, like, surveil yeah. anyone they want. Um, <laughs> we comply with the law in the sense that we comply with like these arbitrary decrees handed yeah. out by the agencies. <laughs> the precept of, uh, if, if we call you a terrorist, then that's what you are. And right. we can look at whatever you, we want right. about you. Decide. Yeah. So it's cool that they followed some ethical standards there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, good of them. so, uh, even worse was the subsequent damage control through the, uh, through transparency reports. Uh, for example, in two reports that came out on the same day, um, Facebook and Microsoft both said there were thousands of requests made by law enforcement to their data. And I'm talking like eight, mm-hmm. eight to 10,000 each right. for each company. Yeah. Um, but they were like, oh, but that's okay. Cause it, it's only a small fraction of the users. So if you take, <laughs> if you take 10,000 right. and, and divide it by the number of users that Facebook has, it's, oh, you know. It's Basi- only like a thousandth of a percent or whatever. Right. Basically, they're treating it like a fucking error report. It, yeah. Right. They're like, oh, well, we have this many million users. So 10,000 out of that many million being having their rights fucking stripped and abused. Like, yeah, that, that's not bad because it's just like an error report. It's just like a 404. We can fix those. Right. No, you can't fucking fix those. That's a violation <laughs> of their fucking lives. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Disgusting. Um, and dumb. This is why STEM needs more uh, like... Ethics courses. Ethics courses, yeah. liberal arts and humanities courses. I, I, so I'm a computer science major. I had to yeah. take two ethics courses. They were good. I mean, well, they might've been dog shit, but at least they were dog them. shit. Yeah. 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 Um, one of them, like George Mason was so proud of it because the professor <laughs> was uh, a lawyer who can code. That's oh, what all the fucking CS hell. department had. That's uh, all the lawyers do is code. Like. You work with code called the law. Yeah. And then you argue about it with people who are just like you. Yeah. And it was so funny because this was t- probably 2012. Mm-hmm. So there were plenty, plenty of examples right. 
from the 2000s and 2010s that they talked about, but they were talking about like not ENIAC, but what is it? I don't even see. I don't even remember any of the shit, which you know the the course worked really well. But it was stuff right. like, uh, oh yeah, this company created this uh, real time operating system uh-huh. for medical equipment, uh-huh. and uh, and it malfunctioned and people died as a result. <laughs> okay, so that's bad. <laughs> that's it. That's the lesson. That's the ethics lesson. <laughs> Make make sure you make your real time operating system work really good, so that nobody dies in the hospital. Oh Jesus! Um, That's like never mind that way more people die. I was like from a lack of healthcare yeah, entirely. I was at least expecting the fucking uh, what do they call that? Like the railroad dilemma, the railroad, problem. the trolley problem, the trolley problem. Yeah, right, we we right, talked right. about that. Railroad yeah. dilemma. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the uh, that was the you first course. Okay, yeah, because it's the classic. Yeah, it's so like, the, how do you make a decision? One, and of course, all these coders are like, "Oh, that's a really good math problem." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. The second one was the lawyer can code, and <laughs> right, the right. first one was like the basics, uh-huh, like that uh-huh, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Jesus. But yeah, all the examples in that class, like all the actual cases, mm-hmm. like uh, court cases, were from the '80s and '90s. Well, right. So like, totally yeah. fucking useless Completely to fucking modern times because. Yeah. I mean, who if, who gives a shit about like the <laughs> the uh, software consultants like legal liability? Yeah. How about like, hey, you shouldn't write software that spies on everyone and sell it to the government. Exactly. Constantly. Exactly. Like our our tech sector in general is such a a horrific, cancerous example of the um, the old adage, just because you can doesn't mean you yeah. should. It's just this constant barrage of a bunch of fucking like dick in hand doofuses running around going, well, I could probably write a script for that. <laughs> I probably could, yeah, okay, yeah. But like you idolize Jurassic Park and you idolize Alien and you idolize all these fucking science fiction movies and you're missing the fucking point the whole time. <laughs> um, okay. That's why we have the NSA. So... Man, that was a long section. That was the asked and complied section plus prism. Mm -hmm. Um, So now we get to the ones that were coerced. Mm. So Mm -hmm. the famous of this was fairly recent. Uh, The famous example would be the attempt by the FBI Mm -hmm. to compel Apple to crack one of its uh, iPhones. So uh, Apple very publicly resisted the attempt from the FBI um, because they said... Uh, it would have it would have compromised the security of every user's phone, which I, I say that in a sarcastic tone. But uh, I'm a you know I'm a software developer. I know quite a bit about computer security, and uh-huh. I I absolutely loathe Apple. So you yeah. know that I'm being serious when I say it actually would have compromised yeah. every user's yep. security, uh, because basically what they wanted them to do. Uh, was to create a modified version of right. iOS right. Um, that could be installed on the captured iPhone as an update Yep. Uh, that would unlock, it would like re- basically remove the passcode from the device so that they could mm-hmm. retrieve the data. Mm-hmm. Apple didn't refuse to do this out of any like principled stance against government surveillance right? because the FBI approached them about it and they were, they were like, like, oh, well, well if, it, if you want to break into the phone, here's like four yeah. or five things that you could do yeah, yeah. if you wanted. Right. And so they tried one of the things, which it's was probably, like... It's probably a bunch of like FBI like TV suits standing in like a fucking corporate mall room, I, fucking whatever, back room of a mall with a bunch of Geek Squad guys 
you know, with just the fucking iPhone right in front of the yeah. iPhone. And they're yeah. like, so like, uh, if we wanted to get into this thing and the Geek Squad guys are like, well, you know, I mean, customer service is our one number one priority. <laughs> <laughs> And you guys seem like stand-up fellas. Have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so the the suggestion that uh, the FBI actually tried was iPhone said, oh, well, why don't you reset his iCloud password? <laughs> and then you just get on his iCloud right. and get yeah, all his data from there. Pretty simple. So really yeah. caring about the security of the iPhone users, of course. Right. Um, so that didn't work because like every iPhone user... Uh, the San Bernardino shooter had not backed up his data to his iCloud in, in months. Uh, so they needed to unlock the phone in order to get the data backed up to the iCloud so that they could uh-huh. extract it. Um, so uh, to try and compel Apple to, to, to write this OS, uh, the FBI attempted to use the All Writs Act, uh, which I wish we had one of the... Uh, Mike Tick to guys on here now that they're not doing anything uh, to explain <laughs> this better but uh, basically it's an incredibly vague and ancient law it's from like 1784 uh, whose entire text is two sentences so I'll just read uh, the law in its entirety a the Supreme Court and all courts established by act of Congress may issue all writs necessary or appropriate in aid of their respective jurisdictions and agreeable to the usages and principles of law b an alternative writ or rule nisi may be issued by a justice or judge of a court which has jurisdiction. So basically, this law is like the courts can issue any writ that they want in order right. to compel someone to obey a law. Right, right, right. Which is seems immaterial to the case. More or less. Yeah. But I think the idea is they had a search warrant for the phone. Right. So they got a court to issue a court order to okay. say, in order for this search warrant to be complied with, right. the manufacturer of this phone has to provide us with technical assistance in order to retrieve the data that we need. Okay. I think that's the theory behind that's, it. That's the idea, right? Yeah. I might be wrong because I'm not a lawyer. Right, and you're not an FBI agent. But I am qualified to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I just haven't taken the bar exam. Right. Because um, I've studied law extensively. Okay. But that's my interpretation yeah. of it. Um, <laughs> uh, so the U.S. government revived the use uh, this law to use the court system to issue court orders, uh, but not subpoenas, uh, just court orders, to compel businesses to help them with anti-terrorism and narcotics cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this case, the FBI got a court order to, uh, again, compel Apple to create a modified version of the OS, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Apple refused, saying it was against their policy, like their company policy, to undermine the security of their own devices. So, yeah, again, they, they didn't do so out of a, a principled stance. It was no, just like, no, oh, well, technically our rules say yeah. that we're not allowed to do <laughs> yeah, that. Right, and... Right. Uh, I think our customers would get pretty mad. So, <laughs> um, so the FBI ended up withdrawing the order eventually, but only because someone else had helped them unlock the phone. Um, so there were rumors that it was an Israeli cybersecurity company. Oh, big surprise. Uh, but then there was a Washington Post article that talked about it that uh, had statements from anonymous sources that professional hackers 
found a zero day ex- zero day exploit to unlock the phone, which I don't know. The Washington Post is pretty pro Israel, so maybe they were just trying to run cover for them. <laughs> Yeah, but then that's verging on anti-Semitic conspiracy territory. So I'm not right. going to say because, that because obviously the only Jews that exist are um, Mossad agents and Hasids. Right. So you know yeah. that's you know. Let's see. Blah 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 blah. Oh oh yeah. So nonetheless, the FBI was able to access the phone, which uh, contained nothing useful on it. Nice. It's my my favorite ending to any of these surveillance. We had stories. our rights stripped <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> Yeah, so the FBI tried to strong arm someone, and then they <laughs> failed, and then they finally got what they wanted, and uh, it wasn't actually what they wanted because there was nothing there. <laughs> the real San Bernardino shooter was the futility of the abuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the last category is uh, companies that are just unaware of the surveillance that's happening. Uh, they just provide the infrastructure, and then some other agency uh-huh, just uh-huh. sort of takes it over. It's kind of uh, so uh, for this. Uh, we have to uh, take a journey. We're going to take a journey okay. across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, I, this makes me very nervous. All the way. If you can imagine what's even over there. I, I, I can't, personally. The uh, only books that I've read involve this I, side of the ocean. I, I, don't even, I don't even think we know what's really over there, to be it's, honest. It's been about 200 years since anybody was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they could all be dead. They could I, be ruined. I think, it was, the, I think it was the Vikings that last went there. Yes, yes. Uh, to to the far off land of of Europe, Europe, Europe. However you pronounce that, I think it's Greek. Uh, it's very exotic. But anyway, um, so this is in in the uh, far off country of of uh, England, or also known as the United Kingdom. Which is that's bizarre. It's like a king. Can you imagine a little that? page from uh, the United States. Yeah, sounds they sounds basically like plagiarism stole, to me. I mean, yeah, they basically stole the whole thing except for yeah. they have a king, whatever that is. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, so sounds unconstitutional. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the 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 Britain has a spy agency um, that was originally created uh, in in the James Bond novels called MI6. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's who was involved here. Uh, so they they created a program called Muscular, and that's muscular in all caps because it's a an acronym. Because it's extremely muscular. <laughs> um, extremely muscular. In fact, if you have your phone, <laughs> look up what that acronym like is. All your all your muscles look like like very very swollen balloon animals like fighting with each other. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the British had this program called Muscular. I'm about to get a bunch of British gay porn, and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so let's just wait for Chris to or find. Or the UK's leading charity for muscular dystrophy. Mm-hmm. Or, man, that's actually the whole fucking first page. All right, um, we'll just put it in the show notes then. Yeah, so, damn. This British program called Muscular involved spy agencies uh, actually breaking and entering into Google and Shit. Yahoo facilities, possibly among others. I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's no way of knowing that. Yeah. Um, to install surveillance programs. So I don't know if it's hardware or software. I'm not sure. Um, so the the program collected huge amounts of data, <laughs> uh, even more than the famous Prism program that we just talked about. Um, a major part of this program, this is hilarious to me, uh, exploited the fact that when Google sent data through its intranet, so like. 
if you use Google Drive and the uh, data that you saved on your computer needs to be transferred to some other computer, mm-hmm. it sends it through the Google Drive intranet, like uh, the cloud yeah. intranet. Um, and what they did to, to transmit this data, they stripped the encryption from the data and then sent it to the other computer and then they re-added it before they sent it out like to the public internet. So the whole reason that this program... You can't see the face I'm making, but it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> um, so the whole way that this program worked was they didn't encrypt any of their shit like, while it was in their own facilities. So the Brit- whatever British spy agency was just like, Oi, governor! <laughs> we can just walk in there and, and just put whatever thing we want on there and just take whatever we want. Walk out with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm increasingly convinced. You know, I have, I have lots of great British friends. Um, I'm gonna. That's they're, what I'm gonna call people from England from now on. Great British. Oh, you're great British. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. You beat me to it. Exactly. Great oh, British. Great. Well, I mean, you. You're the oh, one are you that great British? Inspired it. <laughs> We'd be especially good towards Irish and Scottish people. (laughs) They'll love that one. They're going to love it. And the fucking Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. We stripped the encryption from this joke so everybody can have it. Um, Yeah. The the British spy agency was like, maybe you should put encryption on that. (laughs) And I was like, nay, bother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I didn't didn't write much else about that program. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, It's too muscular to handle. Yeah. I'm I'm a little soy boy bitch, that's so right. I don't have any muscles. So yeah, just talking about stuff that's muscular makes me yeah. very intimidated. I'm I have muscles, but p- pissing my pants, even though we just took a break, so we could yeah. pee. I have muscles, but they're just a bunch of Asian communist knockoffs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have all these weird Asian tattoos all over them. <laughs> um, how are we doing on time? Because I I think we might be able to skip some stuff. Might, yeah. You know what? It's not that long. I'll just cover it. So the Clipper chip was something that was invented in the 90s by the NSA. It was marketed as encryption hardware, but with a built uh, a back backdoor built in for spying uh, agencies to use. So like uh, there would be in- nominal encryption to protect your data, but like who is it, who is it protecting it from? Because right. the NSA had a way to exactly yeah to it's create. protecting you from yourself, right. guys. It's kind of interesting the way that the um, the backdoor worked because when I first heard about it, I was like, there's no way this could ever be secure. But actually, the way they implemented it is kind of secure as long as you're not trying to protect yourself from government surveillance, uh-huh. if it's from anyone else. So what they did was um, for every Clipper chip that was manufactured, it had a private key for its okay. encryption. Okay. And the private the private key was put into this escrow, this private key escrow by the company that manufactured it. And what they would do was if there was a search warrant or subpoena or whatever then for they data. they could retrieve the private key. Yes. They would get the private key out That's of escrow. That's not so bad. Yeah. It's not so bad. Assuming that they don't just Within spy the, indiscriminately on anyone, right, which right. they absolutely did. So. Right. Well, exactly. Right. Within the parameters. <laughs> so theoretically, it's a good idea, but uh, yeah. practically, no. No. Bad. Um, and so the trusted platform module is a, a chip that's in every computer that is supposed to be responsible for providing hardware encryption mm-hmm. and, and computer security and stuff like that. Um, but what are the chances that it doesn't have a backdoor in it? 
I think the because the thing about the Clipper chip is it didn't sell. Nobody wanted to use it. Right. Probably because they marketed it overtly as like, oh, do you want to put a government surveillance device <laughs> yeah, in <right>. your computer? <laughs> oh, you don't? Why not? What, what, what's, what's wrong? What, what, why, why, I would never. <laughs> <laughs> we won't use it unless you're a terrorist or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, well, you know. And, and every human being on Earth, well, almost every human being on Earth, implicitly understands that that rhetoric doesn't make fucking sense. You know? Yeah. Like, I'll never use it unless you give me reason to use it. And people are like, y- you're obviously thinking about it. Yeah. Right? Why the <laughs> fuck would you invent something complex like that unless you were thinking about it? Right, you right, know? right. Yeah. Um, so the last one is a story that just broke, I think today, actually. Um, I saw it this morning. So uh, this one's about China. Uh, yeah. So Bloomberg posted, uh, published an article uh, today or yesterday uh, about a chip used by China to spy on U.S. businesses. So this is both uh, uh, state involvement or business involvement in state surveillance and state involvement in corporate espionage. Yes. Which is pretty interesting. Yes. Um, so I'm just going to read from the article because it's, well, this part that I it's quoted is not 3, very long. The article long. is very long. <laughs> I will include it so you can read the whole thing if you want. But I, uh, I'm just going to read this uh, excerpt. Nested on the server's motherboards, the testers, uh, these are uh, people in uh, companies that are doing security tests of hardware. Um, the testers found a tiny microchip not much bigger than a grain of rice that uh, wasn't part of the board's original design. They just had to compare it to a grain of fucking rice. Right. <laughs> Nothing else. They yeah. could have been like, oh, not but bigger than a seed of barley or something like that. <laughs> well, I mean, if, you, like look, if you look at it, fingernail it's like, clipping, it's it like, really is like the size of a seed of barley. That would be a more accurate yeah, comparison. You know, uh, but they because must be, it's China, they must be talking about like, short what do, we, grain. What, do we, what do we know about China? They must be talking about sushi rice because that's the only <laughs> one that's the, the right size. Well, or like, like sake that. rice, yeah. like 90% polished rice. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> uh, Amazon reported the discovery to U.S. authorities, sending a shutter through the intelligence community. And uh, that, that's the U.S. government intelligence community, if, if that wasn't clear. Uh, elemental service could be found in Department of Defense data centers. The CIA's, CIA's drone operations and the onboard networks of Navy warships, and Elemental was just hun- one of hundreds of Supermicro customers. So, the part I didn't include here is that Elemental made these servers uh, out of chips made by a company called Supermicro, which is based in San Jose, California. Um, but all their manufacturing stuff is in China. That's um, fairly typical. Yeah. 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 Uh, during the ensuing top secret probe which remains open more than three years later, investigators determined that the chips allowed attackers to create a stealth doorway into any network that included the altered machines. So as soon as the server was put on a network, uh, the Chinese state could just right. read whatever just, was on there. Yeah, run roughshod. Um, yeah. yeah. Multiple people familiar with the matter say investigators found that the chips had been inserted at factories run by manufacturing subcontractors in China. So, the fact that, um, well, I'll, I'll get to this in a, in a second because there's some interesting stats here. Uh, there are two ways for spies to alter the guts of computer equipment. 
One, known as interdiction, consists of manipulating devices as they're in transit from manufacturer to customer. This approach is favored by U.S. spy agencies, uh, according to documents leaked by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden. Snowden. Thanks again, libertarian shithead. (laughs) Slash Uh, hero. uh, The other method involves seeding changes from the very beginning, which is a really stupid way to write putting it in when you manufacture it. One country in particular has an advantage in executing this kind of attack. China, which by some estimates makes 75% of the world's mobile phones and 90% of its PCs. Still, to actually accomplish a seeding attack would mean developing a deep understanding of a product's design, uh, manipulating components at the factory, and ensuring that the doctored devices made it through the global logistics chain to the desired location. Mm -hmm. A feat akin to throwing a stick in the Yangtze River upstream from Shanghai and ensuring that it washes ashore in Seattle. Uh, why Seattle? I don't think that's correct at all. I don't think yeah, it's as hard as they're making it out to be. It's not as hard as they're making it out to be. There's yeah. no fucking way. Yeah. Because, I mean, first of all, oh, wow, you have to deeply understand the product's design. Like, it's oh, wow, as if you the actually... Chinese state <laughs> has to understand <laughs> yeah. a product's design. The country with 1.5 billion exactly. people that all exactly. know how to work computers. They literally just said that China makes 75% of the world's mobile phones and 90% of its PCs. <laughs> But wait, how are they going to understand the design these, of the product uh, they're these, manufacturing? These, these numbnuts Asians couldn't possibly engineer a sophisticated <laughs> intelligence solution on their own. <laughs> they're just not the same species as, not, as whites, <laughs> right? If 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 it's good enough for Bloomberg, yeah. but I mean, this is the same writer who compared then, a chip what, to a grain of fucking rice. What are the other obstacles they say? Uh, Manipulating the components at the factory. So walk into the factory and tell the boss, hey, put this chip right. on there. If you don't, I'll put you in a dark room for the rest of your fucking life. <laughs> well, and the boss that sounds is like, really hard. dude, I'm your cousin. <laughs> and, then, and then ensuring that the doctor devices make it through the global logistics chain. So the global logistics chain that does not include people who are randomly testing hardware for like... right. Oh yeah, you know the the export center in Shanghai that like puts shit on a boat is gonna be like, you know, I think we should run a hardware security test <laughs> yeah, on that to make yeah. sure that it conforms to the original manufacturer design. Let's get in there with a magic designs. baton, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want, we don't want anything extra going in here. <laughs> That'd be weird for me personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, Everyone on the docks in Shanghai is a sleuth. <laughs> Uh, I just read the next sentence and it's even worse. Uh, so this is a quote from. Uh, oh yeah, this someone. one was bad. Having a well done nation state level hardware implant surface would be like witnessing a unicorn jumping over a rainbow, says Joe Grand, a hardware hacker and the founder of Grand Idea Studio Inc. So okay, no one invests in that business. <laughs> exactly, it sucks. Whatever the fuck they do, they're run by an idiot. <laughs> Hardware is just so far off the radar. Radar, it's almost treated like black magic. Like, doesn't that undermine what you just said? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no one considers hardware. It's so far off the radar. Oh, how is that possibly going to make it through the global supply chain? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Full of experts in computer hardware and cybersecurity. Yeah, I can't possibly imagine that. This guy must see a lot of unicorns. <laughs> okay, so continuing. 
But that's just what U.S. investigators found. The <laughs> chips had been inserted during the manufacturing process, two officials say, by operatives from a unit of the People's Liberation Army. So nice. Two, Two army guys just walked in and just put the chips in there. Yeah, that's exactly what this basically implies. <laughs> and I'm sure they probably don't know how to solder it, so they're probably just like, here, put this in there. It's probably one of those, uh, what do you call those, with the little, um, the little multi-prong, the units that just go right into it. No, it's way too small for that. Really? Yeah, no, those multi-prong the, units. Little, yeah, those, yeah, the those multi-prong have units little... have to be a certain size because oh, okay. there has to be some structural like, oh, integrity to the wires sense, right. that stick in there. They can't just mash it. Uh, yeah, because right. otherwise it would just get smashed. So they had so one of those what little they tweezers or something? Yeah, so literally what they do now, I don't know if they do this in Chinese factories, mm-hmm. but this is what they do in like the really high-tech factories. They right. have these machines called pick-and-place machines. Oh, And there are these yeah. robots that just take it and they put it on there. And then what they do is uh, there's... If I recall correctly, they have solder already on the component and already on the oh, circuit okay. board. Okay. And then they just put it in just an oven. No, they oh. put it. They put the whole thing in an oven. The okay. oven melts the solder, and then that that fixes the the components of the motherboard. Interesting. So that's how that stuff works. So what you're telling me and everybody who's listening is that we could spy on the U.S. from the comfort of our own home. Mm-hmm. Nice. All we have to do is get. A bunch of sophisticated components and an oven. All you got to do is be the Chinese state. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, okay. So, so, so because... Oh, wait. Did I finish this? Oh, yeah. Okay. In, in Supermicro, the company that manufactured these chips, um, or that contracted the manufacturer of these chips. Sorry. Um, right. In Supermicro, Chinese, Chinese, China's spies appear to have found a perfect conduit for what U.S. officials now describe as the most significant supply chain attack known to be, have been carried out against American companies. <laughs> and, 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 and this wasn't mentioned in the, in the excerpt, but this hit 30 companies at least. That was 30, 30 companies that were fun. named. And uh, I have a feeling they hit some government agencies, I, I hope too. there were companies like Grand Idea Studio Incorporated. <laughs> um, <laughs> Apple, for sure. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Apple terminated their contract with Supermicro. They said for unrelated reasons, but mm. whatever. Mm. Um, I think, was it Google that discovered it? I can't remember what I said 10 seconds ago, 10 minutes ago. Anyway, um some of them were defense contractors too, so they were definitely getting government information to some oh, degree. Yeah. I don't know if they actually made it into government agencies. Right. I'm sure that government agencies with high levels of security actually probably do. Right. Hardware security, h- hardware security audits. Right. If that's the correct term. But like, know. yeah, but like you would assume that like some level of penetration into the the data. Would would it would be useful to somebody in the intel in China? Like they would be able to use it for something, you know? Yeah. So like as as long you know, I mean, they, they know what they're making right? at least. You yeah, know? exactly, exactly, yeah. right. It's, it's speculation, but you would imagine, yeah, like you said, like they would know what they're making. They might know to some extent, like they might be able to access some of the documents related to that. You know, some of the like what like scopes and stuff yeah yeah like all the shit that you and i are pretty much aware of from like the they, administrative they would they would probably get detailed re- requirements <clears throat> of government computer systems and stuff like that so because the u.s depends so heavily on a foreign power for almost all of its computer hardware 90 percent 
uh, or I guess eight, uh, 80-something percent if you average mobile and PC hardware. Uh, so because of that, the U.S. can easily be spied on through that hardware unless they carry out regular and thorough security audits. I love the, I love the like just the sound of that phrase. The U.S. can be easily spied on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that kind of gives me hope for the future. Um, <laughs> and I will. We're not this, just getting this, spied on by our own government. We're getting fucking raked over the coals by everybody else. Yeah, you know. Um, this will always make me laugh. Uh, China's response to this was so fucking perfect. Um, I mean, despite being a, an authoritarian ethnic state, I still mm-hmm. kind of love them. Mm-hmm. And stuff like this oh, yeah, is exactly they've, why. They've got a thing going. Yeah. 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 So their response to this was, supply chain safety in cyberspace is an issue of common concern, and China is also a victim. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is so classic. That is so classic. How could this it's so fucking good, dude? Have, oh, it's I mean it's classic like um it's like deploying like outward bound double think, you know? Like they know what the fuck they're doing, but they're going to like fuck with your head, you know, because they're just going to be like, "Yeah, uh wow, that's that, you know. This has happened." <laughs> What a terrible, what a terrible predicament Can't believe you must whoever, be in, man! Whoever did this, you know, oh. I mean, like, man, if I, we're if, we're gonna we're gonna help you find yeah. them. If it were to happen to me, I, I'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be pissed off. Man, you should really find that person. You know, here, here, let me help you look. Give me that flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really write a conclusion to this. I guess I probably should have, but basically, the point is, it's so hard to separate business from the government and especially yeah, from the more permissive term of the state. You're right. Or the more permissive concept of the state, I guess. Right. It, the state is business and government together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like we were talking about like uh, legal constructions and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and, and that's so in, integral, integral and in, integral to the, uh, conjunction of economic and political activity, which is like business and government or state activity. Um, which is to say that like everyone talks about the free market in the States, at least as like this, which doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. It's, it's a fucking fairy tale. Um, even in the best constructions, it's, it's basically just, it's not even that it's utopian. That's completely different. It's that it's, it's incoherent. Right, you know it's you know it's the only free market that exists, RuneScape. RuneScape, <laughs> <laughs> but not really even because the devs create it, so yeah, it's not really free yeah, just, yeah. Nah. Nowhere does it exist, right? But like this free market that they keep talking about, you know, not only does it not exist as such, but what they're thinking of is, you know, this is the classic issue between. Like, this is the beef that, that everybody has with, like, right libertarians, you know, ANCAPs, et cetera. People of that ilk, right, who don't generally realize, like, how fucked their theory is, if they have a theory at all. Yeah. Which is that they just assume, and it's often because of white privilege, white supremacy, they just assume that the structures that give life to capitalist enterprises are natural, Right. right. Right, and that they sustain themselves despite any kind of um, countervailing, like Hobbesian natural principles, which they also tend to believe in. Yeah, I mean, I think there would be a tendency for that in any, like, if we were living in 
the Roman Empire. Right, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, everything in. about the Roman Empire yeah, is totally yeah. natural. That's how humans have always been. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so it's it's like this weird blindness to the, you know, the structural aspects of, you know, our 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 society's paradigms and so forth. And those are essentially um, put in place and maintained by the more explicitly legal, political monopoly on violence etc aspects of our society you know so that certain kinds of enterprises can thrive you know and that's the that's the sort of dilemma is that you know we as as true leftists i guess you could say (laughs) non-liberals are you know uh we're interested in well what are our other options what could we do instead because what we really want is a free world you know yeah and we're trying to theorize, we want to get rid of the state exactly we're trying to theorize and implement what that would look like and yet you know some of our bitterest opponents are people who believe they can get to a free world through like these weird shortcuts of just like well if you just like do away with regulation and you're like well it's not that we don't want to do away with regulation per se it's that we just don't believe that any of that is any good right right anyway yeah it's yeah it's kind of like um I mean, to a certain point, it's almost like a form of purity politics, as much as I hate that term. Right. Because, so obviously, authoritarian right-wingers are fucked. They're yeah. monsters. Yep. Fuck them. There's yeah. no reason to ever entertain yeah. their ideology whatsoever. They're the most explicit death cult. Right. Yeah. And then, if you go with, uh, you know, libertarian unity, you're on the side of right libertarians who... Right want to get rid of half of the state, namely yeah. the government. Right. And if but, you're on the side of yeah. left authoritarians, uh-huh. you then you're on, the state, yeah, you're on the yeah. side of someone who wants to get rid of the other half of the state, which right. is ca- the, the business part. Right, yeah, said in that way, yes, right. exactly. So they don't care about getting rid of the government. They just mm-hmm. want to get rid of business. Right. They want, they want those functions. This is, yeah, this is the And, and, and really about. not even because, I mean... They they only want to get rid of capitalist business because like like yes. the Soviet Union had businesses for sure. It was just that they were like state owned, state sanctioned, state managed. Which is what managed. I was going to say is like they right. want to absorb those functions into, yeah. um, like it's like they kind of moving it from one unaccountable bureaucracy to another. Right. They understand to some extent that like like this idea that businesses are like organs and or like uh, children of the state. Yeah. Right. Um, and so they're like, their kind of step but is But it's actually to, good. Right. Well, the, well yeah, the, to them, because they're kind of from this older notion that like the state and the nation are essential to social life, right? Right. Uh, which is where that split happened with the anarchists and so forth, yeah. right? Then the, the, their instinct... The part where they murdered or imprisoned all right. of them. <laughs> no, that never happened. That never happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. If you say it did, I'll shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know, they it's like they understand the fundamental problem of allowing these things to run rampant, but because they believe that the state is essential to social life and to, like, the guarantee of rights and things, Yeah. right? Which is a kind of, and I don't equate communists with liberals like some people might, but I do see that they have some of the same fallacies. And I, I know that yeah. anarchists and liberals often have the same fallacies in other ways. Right. Right. So, of course, we have to be very careful about these things, you know, and I have plenty of communist friends, too, and so forth. But it's almost um, as if there's overlap between different ideologies. It's almost as if <laughs> labels are only slightly useful. Yeah. Um, 
and that individuals and collectives are mutually uh, responsible. But um, yeah, it's like they want to absorb those things because they understand there's an accountability problem. Uh-huh. But then because they believe in the state as like like the 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 government sort of political and party aspect of the state, mm. then they think, oh well, we'll just make those things explicit bureaus or like subdivisions of the state. Yeah. Right. Instead of letting them run ragged and, and so forth. But then you get this other thing entirely, which we've seen where there were really good aspects of the Soviet Union that like I think a lot of people miss that have living memory of it. But there were also horrific things that happened. Yeah. You know. But only to only to landlords. Only to landlords. Yeah. Right. That's it. Right. Yeah. I'm sure that the moment I say something incorrect, I will magically become a landlord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, let's, let's not shy away from a critical discussion of the, uh, you know, U S puppet state of Rojava because <laughs> clearly they've probably massacred a bunch of communists hey, and uh, capitalists. Yeah, have, you heard, have you heard about the U S military bases in Rojava? Ooh, no, I haven't. You should oh, you haven't? Me. Yeah. Uh, well, guess what? There's U S military bases in Rojava. Well, fuck. Did you, did you know that? Oh, I didn't know Did you know, know about the U.S. military oh, bases? Oh, my they're God. They're in Rojava. Oh, shit. They're the U.S. Uh, but, the U.S. military. Uh, oh, shit. And they were in Rojava. But, but, but I, I thought... Nope. No? Nope. Really? Nope. nope. Stan with Assad. I, I had all these Stan, ideas. Stan, Stan with Assad. You know what? You're right. Yeah. Assad. Yeah, he's woke. Yeah. You know that because yeah. he's in the bath party, which is right. socialist because right. that's what it says. Yes. Right. Right. It says, as long as anybody says they're socialist... Yeah. Then they are socialists. Yeah. Right. We learned that lesson a long time ago. Like the national ago. socialists. National socialists. Those guys. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Who uh, the uh, Soviet Union sold uh, a trillion tons of, or sorry, a billion tons of oil to. <laughs> right. <laughs> but only only to defend the revolution. So right. it's fine. Right. Whatever. Right. Let's, let's, um, let's never forget. Hashtag never forget. So in conclusion, uh, to sort of contradict what I said earlier, uh, <laughs> both business and the government are part of the state. And if you were an anarchist that believes in taking state power in order to build a movement to overthrow the state, right? which seems contradictory, but I don't think it really is because the state is so incredibly powerful that I don't think there's a way to overthrow it without having some portion of its power yeah then you should you should be concerned with both electoral politics as well as industrial politics aka business right yes and i think that's that's the main takeaway that i would say from this episode yeah if that was a coherent sentence they're watching us (laughs) which i don't think it was deeply (laughs) yeah um so anyway (laughs) We just ran with this one, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's getting late. It's getting very late. Anyway, um, so if you enjoyed this episode, uh, go ahead and check out our other episodes. They are at neighborscience.podbean.com. Mm-hmm. We have a Twitter account at NeighborSciPod, and then all of our other accounts are NeighborScience. So we have a Facebook, Patreon, Instagram. They're all NeighborScience, and... Uh, I also have the post scarcity magazine website, which is no longer being used to host a podcast because otherwise I'd have to update it in two places, which I'm just not going <laughs> right. to do. Right. Um, but it still has the post scarcity anarchism zine. Um, 
There's one article in particular that I link all the time, which is an intro to Capitalist Power that is in volume three. So check mm-hmm. that out. If you've never heard of Capitalist Power, you should read that article. It's probably the briefest summary that there will be for several years of Capitalist yeah. Power, I yeah. think. Um, and I think it's a good intro. And I wrote it, so you should read it because I'm, I'm, I'm a cool person. And He's a cool person. It's, it's, it's good to read stuff that I do. It's good to read stuff that he does. <laughs> I have to say these things or yeah. he'll shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on that very coherent end note there, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> Damn, two, two hours, hours. Damn, shit.